Good evening, and thank you everybody for coming in tonight. Uh, our guest tonight is Dan Caprio. Dan Caprio uh, is a senior strategic advisor at McKenna Long and Aldridge. He was before that deputy assistant secretary for technology policy, chief privacy officer and policy at the U.S. Department of Commerce, right. and before that he served uh, as Chief of Staff to Commissioner Swindle at the Federal Trade Commission. Correct. So Dan is a great expert in the legal and policy uh, issues that you know, relate to technology and telecommunications in particular. And the topic he'll be opening up for us tonight is uh, Big Data, the, the title of um, this event is Big Data is worth absolutely nothing without <laughs> big judgment. I think that shows uh, where that is going with that. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, I think this is a very, very timely topic. Uh, because it involves the realization that the internet is no longer just uh, about computers, but it's now about a whole lot of different appliances and uh, devices that often uh, deploy their you know, networking capabilities without our explicit realization of what they're doing, basically with our data, so uh, this has a lot of edges and a lot of uh, downsides and we need to realize what are the risks involved and also what are the advantages involved. So with that I'll leave the floor to, to Dan who's gonna speak for about 25 to 30 minutes. Right. Then after that uh, we'll open the floor for, for questions and comments. Thank you, Ms. Miliano. Thanks for that introduction, and thank you, Alberto, my good friend, for inviting me to uh, Milan and the Institute uh, Brian Leone. It's it's a it's a privilege to to be here. Um, so thank you. Um, let me let me start off by trying to um, talk about uh, define what big data what big data is, and then. Uh, sort of go from big data to sort of what's closely related to big data, beginning to be called the Internet of Things or the Internet of, of Everything, and the way that the combination of big data and the Internet of Things and sensor-based networks really begins to sort of challenge our, our notions of, um, of, of privacy and then uh, how, how we adapt frameworks and then, you know, how we how you know I'd, how I like to propose that we we think about that uh, going forward. So uh, you know it, it really is true that that big data requires uh, big judgment. So what is what is big data? Big data really is it's you know the the composition of large um, data sets combined with with uh, powerful analytic tools uh, that allows us to examine. Uh, data in, in new and interesting ways. A lot of this is, you know, the cost of storage and 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 analytics and data that's collected in one, you know, in one form that then is 
we're able to analyze it in a new, completely new and different way that sort of leads to an outcome or a societal and economic benefit that we probably couldn't have predicted uh, when the data was initially uh, uh, gathered. So it's been said that, that big data uh, or the, the effect of big data will strain uh, existing uh, privacy frameworks. And, and the promise of big data <coughs> and analytics uh, that go along with it uh, depends upon um, a couple things, and that this goes to big judgment. So developing trust, developing confidence, uh, and, and the third element of that is, is big judgment. And it, when it comes to privacy, I mean, whether you know, it's in, in Europe and in, in the US, we really need to think about um, the, the context in which data is collected, but also avoid um, big, big surprises. That's kind of where the, the big judgment comes in. And the way that, that you know, I like to think about it is that we, we, we're sitting on really the transformation of the internet itself and that we're at, we're at an inflection point or a juncture where we really need to be thinking about, you know, with all this new data, um, we need to be thinking about how we, we build privacy and security into the, the baseline as we're, you know, as we're beginning to uh, construct uh, new systems and, and networks. So related to big data, as I said, is, is the Internet of Things, which is really a, a broad term that describes, as Massimiliano pointed out, it describes the ecosystem um, of sensors that interact with each other, persons and services in computer-aware environments supported by analytics, big data. Um, the complexity of the e ecosystem um, involves sensors that interact kind of in three ways. They interact with each other, uh, they interact with the broad, the broad ecosystem through local area networks, as well as the sensors that may be in direct contact with the internet. So that's your IP-enabled uh, device. So big data and the Internet of Things represents a transformative 21st century uh, technology that promises to revolutionize homes, cars, healthcare, industry, you know, lots of things. But big data and the Internet of Things presents, as Ms. Moliano said, both opportunity and challenges to protect privacy and security and, and at the same time still enable innovation. And whether we call it the smarter planet, whether we call it the Internet of Everything, the industrial Internet, what it's really about is it's about innovation and the future of the Internet ecosystem. But the, despite the existence of, <coughs> of sensors for decades, we're, we're still, we're really at the beginning of the beginning of the promise of big data and the Internet of Things. Uh, business models must be allowed to develop. The potential benefits of big data and the Internet of Things are only now emerging as sensors can interact with, uh, with, with other objects or people in computer-aware environments uh, to make use of cloud-based services already supported by big data and, and powerful analytics. While consumers are already using internet-enabled devices to reap the benefits of social media and e-commerce, industry's only begun to explore ways in which connected devices and, and uh, big data can improve the safety and reliability of complex industrial processes. This is kind of the efficiency argument. 
um, which is significant when you think about smart grids, uh, smart agriculture. Think about this in terms of solving some of the world's really big problems, right? Um, where you, you've got, you know, industrial efficiency of 1% if you're, you know, in terms of crop yields, in terms of uh, improving the electric grid, improves of, in, you know, in terms of water. I mean, it, it makes an enormous, it makes an enormous difference when you start um, adding all these things up. Um, uh, but it can also, um, and, you know, the operational efficiencies, but all, we create faster, more cost-effective means of communication and improve the safety of medical devices and, and services. So <clears throat> if the vast societal and economic benefits of big data and the Internet of Things are to be realized, uh, we must embrace a broad vision uh, and confront the opportunities and challenges head-on, you know, as we're, as we're developing it now. But uh, with, with evidence-based work, uh, toward practical solutions uh, that protect the individual and encourage responsible uses of data and, and, uh, and, and, and foster uh, robust uh, innovation. So here's part of the challenge is that some of the Internet, some Internet of Things devices will employ user interfaces uh, which will clearly indicate to individuals how data is being used and collected and may offer, and this is your local area network, but may offer controls directly uh, through the local area network or through other technologies that will collect and transfer data with little or no recognizable uh, interface and with little or no communication uh, to the individual about the nature of the data collected. Uh, some uh, devices will interact directly with the consumer and be designed principally uh, for the consumers. Others, and this is the industrial internet, um, such as connected airplane engines, wind turbines, and locomotives, will operate principally in the industrial space and therefore involve a separate set of considerations on issues such as the practical practicality and utility of one-to-one -one, uh, consent. So here's, here's the framework challenge that we face. Some of you know the big data and and Internet of Things application, uh, the applications challenge traditional notions of how to apply privacy uh, and frameworks that have developed on both sides of the Atlantic. The fair, what we call the fair information practice principles that were developed in the early 1970s and then uh, we saw, you know, passed as, as voluntary guidelines by the OECD in, in uh, 1980, notice, choice, consent, security. Um, and, and those established frameworks uh, service well, but obviously much has changed uh, since the era of centralized databases, highly structured data. Remember I said at the beginning, big data is big, unstructured, messy data. Um, so we started off with highly structured, you know, siloed data, uh, relatively straightforward consumer transactions involving one buyer and one seller. But unlike the client infrastructure of 15 years ago, Today's internet ecosystem create, contains an abundance of unstructured data, highly transactional, many players, and thrives on the one-to-many model, uh, including cloud service providers, intermediaries, routing traffic, and, and connectivity, and entities, and entities providing enhanced uh, security. Similarly, other industries using big data and the Internet of Things, like healthcare, 
uh, now provide a complex network of providers, payer entities, product providers, and service agendas, and researchers, and just a whole down, you know, whole downstream uh, chain. But while we, while the fair information practice principles are important, uh, we shouldn't abandon th those. But what we need to do as policymakers and thought leaders is to adapt. Uh, interpret and update them in a way that serves this new um, ecosystem. And what 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 I you know what I propose and, and talk about in my transatlantic practice is that you know we need to move away from an approach centered on collection of data to focus instead, in practical terms, on what happens uh, to that data and then how it's uh, how it's used. So it's the how it's used part. Is really what requires the the big judgment. Um, <coughs> one of the ways, one of the OECD uh, principles, uh, really goes to the issue of accountability, and which really is synonymous with with transparency. And that requires that that mechanisms are in place to demonstrate. Again, we're talking trust, confidence, and judgment, but to demonstrate the responsible use of data, whether or not an individual has had an opportunity to consent. So we need to confront when it's reasonable to expect an individual to consent to their data being processed. Uh, but unfortunately, consent often places an unreasonable burden on individuals to understand how their data will be used in complex environments, while at the same time, uh, consent may be impossible to obtain in many, many contexts. So together, we need to continue to invest in providing individuals with easier and more automated methods for consenting while also <coughs> protecting uh, privacy in those contexts where consent's not possible. But this is really where we need to spend a lot of time thinking through those, those use cases and, and outcomes. The complex data environment uh, of the computing continuum, I mean, we all want it now, we all want it um, you know, it, it, we want every device to work in every uh, setting. That'll put a higher pri priority on, on security. So that's the other issue is how do we secure all this data? And as technology uh, stores more data relating to individuals, the threat of potential exposure of the information will increase. There's no such thing as perfect security, but we, we're going to need to do a much better job. And, and those threats and the possible increased risk uh, to the individual uh, require an increased focus on the mechanisms and technology tools uh, to uh, to secure data. Um, so this is, you know, so, so, so my perspective, just truth in advertising, I'm, I'm a very much of a, you know, believer in, in, in market, market forces. So I think that the market, market forces will be able to provide incentives uh, for companies uh, to protect consumers' privacy and, and create innovative uh, solutions. Uh, we need to recognize that consumers will not embrace uh, big data and Internet of Things if they don't trust companies to safeguard the privacy and security of their, of their data. But again, you know, in a market-oriented approach, the incentive is really with, with the companies to, to get it right because the narrative Again, think about sort of solving some of the world's big problems. The narrative is so, with this technology, the narrative is so compelling. The, I think the market and the incentives line up, line up well. But 
like all companies in the ecosystem, providers have every incentive to act in consumers' interest to secure and protect the privacy of the data that they um, collect. I mean, this won't surprise any of you, um, but I mean, my belief is that a new regulation at this time would be premature and could uh, uh, impede innovation, could inhibit um, uh, big data and the Internet of Things' ability to reach its full potential uh, to deliver benefits to consumers and, and the public. Uh, its full promise depends on the development of, of interoperable standards um, that will enable uh, seamless connectivity between devices and, and platforms, and the, that standards development uh, for the Internet for the Internet of Things and big data has been has been complex. And again, sort of at the beginning of the beginning, we're looking at you know a three to five plus year uh, period of time before we start to see really uh, true. Uh, interoperability. I believe that government interference uh, at this stage through the promulgation of new regulation could interfere with the development of those uh, standards that enable real-time sharing of data that's critical to the proper functioning of big data and the Internet of Things um, writ large. Um, and you know, my belief is in, in, in voluntary industry uh, guidelines and codes of conduct, um, including th those developed through a consensus-driven uh, multi-stakeholder process. Um, I've, uh, I've spent a long time in government at the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Commerce, but I've been working sort of the transatlantic circuit uh, for about a decade and I've been part of the, the European Commission uh, has an expert group on the Internet of Things through the Teaching Information Society meeting now at DG Connect. And so that multi-stakeholder um, uh, kind of uh, uh, process, I think, has, has, has served us well. And it gives us, I think, a couple of different advantages. One, the voluntary industry guidelines and codes of conduct allow companies to implement best practices in a manner that's appropriate to each company's uh, technology and business model and in a way that protects consumers uh, as they begin using uh, new devices and reaping the benefits of, of big data. Second, voluntary industry guidelines and codes are more likely to notify and address real harms or consequences uh, while simultaneously accounting for the various roles and responsibilities of different participants, again, in that broad uh, ecosystem, uh, and that's important because not all, not er, not not everyone who participates in the big data and Internet of Things uh, ecosystem will have control uh, over the data that tran that transits uh, networks. In addition, uh, the big data and Internet of Things ecosystem involves a large number of players um, in data of varying sensitivity some of which may raise few, if any, privacy issues. That's, you know, that's the industrial internet, the efficiency side. But industry guidelines and codes that, uh, that of conduct can reflect these differences and allocate uh, responsibilities accordingly. Third, uh, industry self-regulation can move at internet speed to adapt to big data and the internet of things. And proactive industry self-regulation uh, is better positioned to respond more quickly and effectively to consumer demands and marketplace evolution uh, regarding uh, 
consumer privacy protections uh, in the internet age, and it, it's going to be much faster than than uh, government uh, regulation. So to to wrap up, because I really want to get to your your questions, uh, the future of technology shows us an environment uh, where we can no longer burden the individual with having to make choices about all issues concerning the processes processing of their their data, but in the trade office or in some. We must increase transparency and safeguard security while we work together to define what are the appropriate uses of, of data. Uh, consumer trust in companies' ability to protect privacy and security, and government for that matter, but trust uh, to protect privacy and security will be critical uh, to the growth of big data and, and the Internet of Things. Um, but you know, policy experts, academics, and regulators have on the whole not succeeded in, in predicting the emergence and success of future business models. Um, to avoid well-intentioned but unintended consequences, uh, policymakers need to, need to avoid unnecessary constraints on innovation or adoptive of, uh, adoption of prescriptive policies to allow for big data and Internet of Things markets uh, to develop. Um, and I'll, I'll leave you with, with this thought. The potential uh, societal and economic benefits of big data and the Internet of Things are enormous, uh, and we need to ensure as we start to see the business case uh, that the policy frameworks to protect privacy and security uh, and build trust and confidence in big data and the Internet of Things going forward, that those are in place, and that's really going to require just an enormous amount of, of uh, big judgment. So with that, I thank you for your attention and look forward to your questions.